this is something that I'm hoping you'll be able to use with every single ministry that you're involved in. Um, as you, one of the biggest things I, I feel is critical for us as leaders is that we must teach people how to go to God by themselves, for themselves. And you need to know that they're going to buck that and they're going to want you to do all the work. You teach us, you train us, you help us, you whatever. But it's our job, I believe as leaders, to teach them to go by themselves, for themselves. Which is why they have to learn to hear his voice so that when they get there they can understand what he's saying. I don't know how many of you love sports, gentlemen, women. No, we all do, to an extent, perhaps. But in sports, I always played a sport that you got to play both offense and defense. I highly respect sports where people only play defense. I think that's amazing. It's, but it's fun to play offense. It's fun to, to, uh, to be able to score. It's fun to, you know, get a little moment where you, you, you know, you got to do both. And in the kingdom... You have probably heard a lot about defensive spiritual warfare. We learn the schemes of the enemy. We learn to fight him. We learn to stand against him. Ephesians 6 tells us how to put on our armor, how to go forth in battle, what we're supposed to do. But I feel like it's critical, and it's changed my whole view in the last few years. Ron and I teach a class um, every Tuesday night in the spring called Personal Spiritual Formation. It's a requirement for ministry majors who are juniors and seniors. So all pastoral men, youth men, youth and family, Bible and theology, intercultural studies. And they have to take this class and we push them in their own relationship with the Lord, in grieving loss, um, in going for it deeply. And, and the disciplines are the last thing that we actually cover so that they don't replace uh, a personal intimacy with the Lord with, you know, give me what I'm supposed to do and then I'll just go do that. And so what we, this has actually developed, we take them on a retreat at the, near the end of the semester and it's basically one of the most corporate, personalized retreats they've ever been on because they've had a spiritual director, we lecture for two hours and then they, we break them into a small group with a spiritual director and an assistant director and they deal with their personal stuff. They share that out loud with other people. And they really, we really stretch them to go for the deep issues of their heart, especially as they're gonna become leaders. We can't just skip over that. And so when we go away on the retreat, God usually breaks through very powerfully. But when we come back, there's kind of like the, can I, can I sustain this? Can I sustain this or is it just one more high like it used to be at youth group when we went to camp and it was a good weekend and I rededicated my life to the Lord and then in a couple months I'm back to where I was before. And the Lord gave me this teaching and I'm like, oh no, you can sustain it. You can sustain it. You know how to do defensive warfare, but who wants to keep fighting, fighting, blocking, blocking, getting backed in the corner on the ropes? At some point, we've got to rise up and take the offense and move forward and move forward and move forward. A few years ago, I said to the Lord, Lord, could we please, could we please here at Nyack in the spirit only move forward? I feel like we go forward and then we go a few steps back and then we go forward. We didn't even make to where we were two years ago. Like, can we just advance? And you know what? I felt because he loved me, he said yes. And I'm like, it can be a half an inch. It could be a step. It could be five steps. But can we please only advance? In one word, spiritual warfare, offensive spiritual warfare is summed up in one word and that word is advancement. We don't want to just receive the blows. And what we do, we walk around and our language is somewhat like this. Yep, I'm getting attacked. Yep, the enemy is, is alive. He's really at me. I preach this week and I'm just getting it from every angle. Yep, I'm being attacked. Yep, I'm being attacked. Yep, I'm being attacked. Well, then let's fight it, resist it, rebuke it, but move forward. And so I want to be very practical with you this morning about ways in which personally, and I call this a personal battle plan, <laughs> a personal battle plan. And so the thing we're going after is advancement in the kingdom. But the question that comes to mind is, in this advancement, who is our God? 
what is our God like that we're actually going to follow him and do what he says? And so the areas of awareness for your personal warring are declaration of intent, spiritual gifts, desires, and expectancy. And that it's about we, not I. Okay? So these are the, the uh, five areas I'm going to cover here in the next 50 minutes or so. De declaration of intent, spiritual gifts, desires, expectancy, and we, not I. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus, as he was here on earth, offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Jesus, when he prayed, got emotional. There are three things we're to do in secret. Matthew 6 says, we're to give, we're to pray, and we're to fast. Most of your offensive warfare, but you might be happy to know, is going to be done in your prayer closet where no one else sees. I'm telling you, I am a raving warrior in the prayer closet when I shut the door. He knows what it's like when he's crying out to the Father. Fervent cries and tears, oh yes. Pounding on the ground for the sake of your name. You promised, you promised, you said that. He is fully acquainted with what it's like, with what you are going through in every area of your personal life, as well as every area of leadership and ministry. So go for it. It's okay for you to be emotional, especially when you pray, because it's going to come out. The real places of your heart, that is where it's to be pulled and, and cried out before the Lord. In Romans 8, it says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The Spirit, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So when you go into your prayer closet and you shut the door, on one side you have Jesus interceding for you, and on the other you have Holy Spirit there with wordless groans praying. Those are great prayer partners. Do not think you are alone. You are going to feel alone. Even though you have a great staff, you have a great team that's with you, the enemy loves to make you come and think, I'm alone. No one else gets this. It's really hard. You are not alone because you have Jesus who still lives to ever intercede on one side and you have Holy Spirit on the other. Even when you do not know what to pray for, he is groaning on your behalf. And Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of the Father going, God, give it to her. She's been asking, give it to her. She's been waiting. Give it to her. I paid for her sin I paid, I am a righteousness. What I have for you, what you, Father, have said that you want to do in this place, give it to him. Give it to him. And so, it, 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 I mean, faith, do you feel faith arise? It's like, ooh, faith arise. Come forth in us, Lord, that in the prayer closet, that's where we do our battle. That's where we do our battle. That's where we're going to advance. So we move from an offensive, a defensive stance to an offensive stance by recognition of who our God is. And so we start with praise and worship. And I love to keep worship music on, even if it's low, because I want our home to be filled with the presence of the Lord. I want the enemy to know that this isn't your domain, buddy, so back off. You are not allowed in here, okay? And so, but I love also to start with the Father. I go through the Trinity specifically. Father, I praise you because, and we begin to list attributes, okay? And I personally choose ones that I need of what I'm going through particularly, okay? I praise you because you are worthy of praise. You are holy, loving, kind, merciful, good, trustworthy, unchanging, all-knowing, ever-present. You need to... I mean, and the list can go on and on and on. Choose those which you need, because this is going to become a daily thing for you. 
Now, I know you already have your systems and your routines down to meeting with the Lord, but this is one of the most powerful things that I have ever run across. I think that's so kind of weird in some ways, but it's like, no, I'm sick of defense. I want to go on the offense, okay? So, Father, I praise you because, and then I move to Jesus, the Son. Jesus, I acknowledge today that you are my healer. You are my protector. You are my provider. You are my savior, my sanctifier. You are truth. You are the way. You are truth. You are life. You're the bread of life. You're the living water. And some days I like to see how long I can go with new words. <laughs> Just because it causes my faith to arise. What I have need of, Jesus is the answer. He has lived. He has walked this earth. He knows what it's like. And he is the one I am looking to. Trust me, we need a perspective change when the situation around us is grim. When the people that keep coming and the things that they keep giving into their lives, they keep opening the door to the enemy in their lives, and we try to keep giving them the answer and they don't, I go in and go, Father, for the sake of your name, would you break through for these people? Would you lift my eyes to see that you are the one who has called me to stand here and so help me to proclaim your truth in such a way that they will hear and they will choose. See, our people have to choose themselves, but are we going to be the ones to lead the charge and go, I, we're going there, people. We are going there. And so we're going to encourage them and teach them what it's like to, to battle personally and what weapons they can use in that. Next is praise Holy Spirit. I praise you Holy Spirit because you're the one who guides me into truth. You are my advocate. You are the one who convicts me of sin. You're the one who comforts me. You're the one who points me to Jesus. You are the one who reminds me of all that Jesus has done on my behalf. And you are the one who helps me and who will be with me forever. I need a good reminder, and you need a good reminder of the breadth, of the width, of the awesomeness, of the powerfulness of who our God is. You are not alone. You stand in a place as the beloved son or daughter, but he is big. He's big, big, big. And so we want to start in our offense to declare and lift up who he is. And, by the t and I don't stop until the sadness, the disappointment, the, the discouragement, the whatever. And like, no, this is the truth. This is who he is, and this is why I'm doing this. And if he has asked me to stand here, I will stand as long as you call me to stand. And so we need to know who is our God. We pray, we, our praise brings our attention back to whom we belong, and we belong to Jesus. We're covered by this God. This is who he is. And so nothing can separate us from his love. And again, if you want your prayers to be answered, you pray the scripture. He made, he gave his promises in his word. You want the answers, then you pray back to him what you promised in your word. And so I always go back to Romans 8 and Ephesians 3. Pray these passages because they reveal the heart of the Father. Look at Ephesians 3, 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches you will strengthen me, Father, with power through your spirit in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that I, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, than all I could ever ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within me to you be glory in the church both now and forevermore amen father I am coming I pray this father for my marriage for my children for our church for Nyack College for Alliance Theological Seminary everything within my sphere of influence I bring under this truth and I proclaim it and I declare it for all of us. Amen. That's what you have been given. You have been set up as the leader. You are the covering. What you are the covering around. And in Joshua 1, every place that you set your foot will be in the land. I am doing, I am walking around our land. No, this is ours. 
this is ours, and so every place that I can set my feet, they wonder, like, what are you doing? You're, you're just going for a walk for exercise? Oh, no, I am <laughs> declaring that this is ours. Because, listen, the people do open the doors all the time. You just had a fabulous Sunday. You had a fabulous ministry time of whatever was going on, and then the people go, they're sheep. They go right back out, you know. What are you doing? You just open the door again. And so, but as the covering, we watch. We look for holes in the fences. We patch them up. We do our part, and we allow God to do his part through his word. And so we remind him what he said. In Romans 8, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against these whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Hallelujah. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No! As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. And so I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to take my place. I've been called stubborn. I, like, I prefer the word tenacious. <laughs> I, I, I think that sounds nicer, right? But yes, I, I, I am when it comes to, what, to the one I love and what he's asked me to do, I will stand there. I will take my place. And if you say it's time to go, I'll go somewhere else. But it's because I love him. It's too hard otherwise. If it's duty or obligation, I'm done. It's too much. It's not working. But I do it for love. I do it for love. There was a woman a number of years ago her, whose husband had a list for her of how she was supposed to cook the meals, clean his shirts, have his food ready on the table at a certain amount of time, and that was how she was supposed to be a good wife. And so if she, and, but he didn't have to tell her when he was late and then the, you know, but so she had dinner on the time that he set, and then when he came, he was upset because it was cold. But she didn't tell him he was going to be late. And, and so eventually he said, you know what, you're a terrible wife. I'm getting rid of you. He divorced her. Devastated, heartbroken. She kept going to church. A man in the church she met in small group, and they, were, they started having a relationship, and as they got more serious, he wanted to marry her. And so she said, can I have your list? And he goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, you know, how you like your laundry done and, and how you want your meals cooked. And he goes, honey, anything you do, I love your cooking. The fact that you would do my laundry, I'm thrilled by, you know. And so they eventually married. We're going along great, started doing ministry together in the church. And one day she was cleaning out her attic, and there was an old Bible there, and she moved it, and something fell out. And she picked it up, and she looked. <laughs> she went, whoa, and she started kind of chuckling a little bit. And her husband said, what's that? He said, oh, it's, it's my list from my former husband. And the interesting thing is, is that all these things that I always tried to do, I automatically do for you because I love you. But you don't care whether I do them or not. And so it makes me all the more want to do it for you for love. We're in this thing, I hope, for love. And therefore, we can put up with a lot of stuff that comes at us. But because I love him and because of who he is as a powerful God, I am willing to take my place. And it's important that we get our people to take their place from the very youngest until the very oldest. There is a place that we're to be shoulder to shoulder to advance the kingdom of God. And we're not going back. We're only going to go forward to fulfill his purposes here in, in our region, in our area, upon the earth. So who is our God? If this God is for me, then who can be against me? No one. No thing, plan, strategy, scheme, tactic, nothing can come against me. And he has promised that nothing can ever separate me from his love. And so as long as I have the love of the Father and my identity is established in that love, 
I'm okay. I'm okay. But there's times when that gets shaken and I got to go back in and close the door and go, Father, I'm feeling, I'm not feeling very loved right now. I'm feeling overlooked, unappreciated, unnoticed, invisible, whatever it is. But I deal with that there. Because if we don't deal with it there before the Lord, we'll come out and we'll take it out on the people that we're trying to serve. And that never goes well. That never goes well. So who was our God? As David before Goliath, Elijah before the prophets of Baal, Moses before Pharaoh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel before Darius, Esther before Xerxes, every single one of them, when they went into the situation, didn't know that they would live. You know, we read the whole story and it's like, oh, well, that's cool. That was good, you know, and they, you know, they made it out of the fiery furnace. He made it out of the lion's den. They didn't know going in, but they were all or none. I am in. And if I die, I die. But I know that you are worthy and I will take my place and do whatever it is you ask. I hope you're all in. Mm -hmm. We don't get to reserve part of our heart just in case this really is weird and over at the top and all that. I'll just reserve, keep a piece for myself. No, we're all in. We're all in. All of my eggs are in one basket. If this doesn't work, Oh, well, no omelet. There you go. That's right. They didn't know before they went, all or none. So then, as we go practically then, it is important that we come up with our declaration of intention. Our declaration of intention. There are two purposes for such a declaration in your life. Number one is to put the enemy on notice. We're putting the enemy on notice and therefore, we need to silence him because he also, he lives to ever accuse. We have Jesus ever living to intercede. The enemy is accusing constantly. Who do you think you are to be standing up there doing that? I know what you did the other day. I know how mean you were to your husband just then. I know what's going on. Accusation, accusation. And the minute we agree with that, we have given him a place to latch on and he just keeps going. We need to cut that off and say, but my intention, and we declare it out. The other purpose of the declaration is for yourself to walk in truth. God just did this in my life, and it is powerful. And I have surrendered to him, and so now I declare, boom. And so you make those de declarations. So they need to be out loud. You don't have to be saying them at the top of your lungs, but you can if you want to. But again, you're in your own prayer closet. You're all by yourself. But I'm going to declare into the heavenlies of who I am, of who my God is, of what he's given me to do to put the enemy on notice. Uh-oh. She means it. But for me to hear myself say it so that my too, my courage will rise up, my faith will rise up, and then my obedience will follow that. Okay? So all-powerful God, today I come under your covering. I declare that I will be a woman who gives herself wholeheartedly to you. I will obey all you say. I will do whatever you ask of me. I will follow you anywhere. I will say everything you want me to say. Every day, I believe it's important that we put it out there. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And this is what I am intending to do. I declare that this is who you've made me to be. And so I'm not backing off. I'm not backing off. And it's really important for new disciples because of the things and the habits that they've been entangled in and for each of them to come up with the things. It's just, it solidifies it inside of us as we repeat that over and over. This is my intention. It's not like a New Year's resolution. No, oh, I hope this happens, you know, and then, to, you know, by the January 15th, it, it doesn't happen anymore. This is about our life. This is about our life. This is about who you've made me to be. This is who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am set. I'm solidified in this, and this is what I will move into. Okay? So we start with spiritual gifts. Therefore, you need to know what your spiritual gifts are. I would say the, maybe the top three that you maybe operate in. Okay? So you need to know what your gifts are. And again, we're going to declare what you're going to do in those. 
My guess would probably be prophecy, teaching, and administration. So here's what I came up with for me personally. I will prophesy whenever you bring it to my mind. I will teach your word to whomever and whenever the opportunity arises. I will listen for your voice and put together the best team of people I can find to do what you say or to show me is on your heart. Okay? What are your gifts? Formulate that into a declaration. I will. You see, our will, and Ron mentioned this, is very, very strong. It must be surrendered wholeheartedly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When I am not walking in the Spirit, I am not a nice person. I am stubborn. I am prideful. I want my own way. I'm not giving in. As my husband can attest to all of those, he didn't say amen like I did. He was much nicer than me. That was good, honey. But it's true. But it's true. Let's fight the right battle. There he goes. But under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when he has made it plain to me as to who I am and what I'm to do, I will not back down. And that's where you need to know your gifts because God has given you those gifts for where you are right now. He's given you those for the purposes of where you are right now. And that's why, too, there's, there is going to be an element, hopefully, of administration that, that all of us have to an extent, or you get someone <coughs> on your team who does have that so that you can have the right team of people and the gifts operating. And so even, if, even as the leader, you can have other people, and hopefully we will choose people that are better than us in certain areas so that they can flow in what they're good at. Because as a team, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's the fact that we're going to advance the kingdom. And so I'm going to be the best people I can find and administrate that, steward that. As leaders, we are stewards of what God has given us. And so we want to have the best people possible, and, but we're going to walk in the gifts he's given us. And so ladies particularly, you cannot back down and abdicate your leadership because of the men issue in the church. God has gifted you. He has chosen you. He has anointed you to stand in that place. So stand firm and very humbly, but firmly say what God has called you to say. Do what God has called you to do. Bring forth the other people to join your team to advance. We're not gonna keep backing up. We're gonna advance. So know your gifts. <laughs> Thank you. So what are your spiritual gifts? Turn them into declarations. As a gift of mercy, God, I will look for people and I will extend to them the love of Jesus Christ. Those of you that have hospitality, I will open my home. But hospitality is not just about being able to bake well and then you have people in your home and whatever. Hospitality means that wherever we are, there is an atmosphere set where people feel the presence of the Lord. So you can be in the coffee shop, you can be at the restaurant, but as a gift of hospitality, that person feels safe. It's like, oh, I'm home. They're comfortable, and boom, they will share with you things that they've never said to people before. So hospitality is more than just being a good baker in your home. It can be anywhere. God, I will do that. And so I will, and you were thought, oh, I just thought I liked one-on-one -on -one and eating. It's like, well, you probably do, but you are creating a place where people feel safe and feel open up. Leaders have to lead means usually you're out front in the doing of it. And so don't back down because you, you're, you're tentative about your gift. Or you're like, oh, I don't, want, I don't want people to think that I'm like trying to take over or something. Listen, you're a strong leader, so lead. That's what we're supposed to do. Areas where I need help. And so you begin to list. These are my big ones. I have many more, but these are my big ones. I will ask for help when I need it. I will say no when I hear you tell me no, but your boundaries, and I will take care of myself physically, mental, body, mind, and spirit, okay? And so I need the Lord, to, and I need the Lord to speak into those. And so I declare that I will do that, therefore I have to make room in my schedule. When I, I can tell what you value when I look at your schedule and your checkbook. Your schedule and your checkbook. So if you say you value your family, I should see that in your schedule. 
And then your checkbook reflects that because we went to Disney World. We went to, you know, we, we go. I take them out to once a week for a date, blah, blah, blah. And so what are the areas you need help? And we want to offer that before the Lord and say, Lord, I know I need your help here. Asking for help is one of the biggest things I learned in my dissertation. The Lord had shown me this a couple years ago, and I wrote it down like, okay, there's some odd thing that I felt like I should know what to do. And I'm the, I'm the leader, so I should have the answer. But I don't. So ask for help. Ask other people's advice, other people's opinions. It's not a sign of weakness. Actually, it's a sign of great strength that you recognize you need help and that you see that gifting maybe. You see that in someone else, and so you're willing to ask. And they'd be thrilled to help you out and to give input. Desires. What are the desires that God has put in your heart? There are some desires for your ministry that you're like, you want that to happen. But have you dared to actually write them out? Have you actually dared to say, I want 400 kids from this region to come to our youth group? I want them to be discipled. I want us to get in the high schools. I want this to be like the coolest place on earth. There's pounding the doors down that we're good. And boom, do you dare? to put your desires out there. Oh, you know, quite being so. Don't go over the top there, honey, you know? And the enemy's like, oh, who do you think you are that you're gonna have 400 people in your youth group? He, boom, he comes in to, no, God puts those desires in your heart. And so we wanna dare to put them out there. We wanna dare to put them out there as we're gonna advance. So God, I wanna be a woman of your word. That is a deep desire of my heart that I am a woman of your word. I want to be able to memorize it so I can recall it when I pray and when I speak to others. I want to be a woman of integrity and character so that my life lines up with what I say. God, I want to be a woman who trusts you wholeheartedly. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. But my desires are still, like I didn't put all my desires out there because they're still very private with me and the Lord, but I'm telling you, I ask. He's given me big ones. He's given you big ones. Do you dare to ask him? He's the one that's going to bring it about. Do you dare to ask him to fulfill those desires? Do you dare to actually let your heart find out what's in there? What are the passions of my heart? Do you dare to go for it? Expectancy is the next one. Expectancy. God, I want to see your kingdom come in our midst whenever we gather. I have an expectancy that whether we're going to be at Steve and Trina's, in their living room, having coffee in the morning, whenever we get together, God's going to come in the midst. Our conversation is going to go to Jesus about what he's doing, about what he's doing in our life personally or with ministry. or so. I have an expectancy that God's going to show up because he says where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. He, he likes to come with us. He loves us. He likes, to, he likes to be there. And so I have expectancy that whenever we gather, he's going to come. And so I have, you do have a listening ear in the midst of it. Father, what are you doing here? What do you want to do? What's going on here? And so whether they're Christians or not, I have an expectancy that he's going to show up and he's going to come. I want to see revival. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that when the presence of the Lord comes... Everyone knows it's him. And I pray that they would respond to him, that they would say yes to him. But the way that we would really know it's true revival is that they get up and their lives are forever changed. They walk away from those addictions. They get help for the things they need to get help for. They are no longer the same. They say no to the things of sin and they are different people because the love of Christ is overwhelming their life in a powerful way. That's what I mean about revival. I don't care if they drop, fall, laugh, whatever they do. That doesn't matter to me. But when you get up at the end of your encounter with Jesus, you're going to be different. You're going to be changed. And I believe he wants to do that every time we gather. Whether it's a staff meeting, it's like, oh, people, yes, God comes in staff meeting. Oh, yeah, he does. That's where we all come together. That's where we all, he, he comes every single place, even the most unlikely of places. God, I want you to break through for our community of Nyack College, Alliance Theological Seminary, the village of Nyack, Rockland County, and this greater metropolitan New York area. You have, like, God, God loves it here. 
God loves, like he keeps giving you buildings and they seem to be added right on to the next, you know, you're probably going to take over the whole thing here, but you know, he keeps giving it to you. But you know why he does that? Because he trusts you. It's good. He can trust you. Steve told a story about um, having this building and not knowing what was going in it to try to fundraise. That spoke so deeply to my heart because the reason God has given you so much is because you are willing to wait and say, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. Soon as I know, though, I'll do it. Will you give anyway? If that isn't faith and God goes, whoa, says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to find those whose hearts are fully committed he is looking for men and women who will stand and go, I don't know what God is doing, but I am listening, I am seeking, I am waiting, and as soon as I know, I will tell you, I will follow through. God is looking for men and women that he can trust, and if he can trust you with nothing, just that a building, he will trust you with much because you wait for him. There's something very, very powerful. The kingdom is about waiting and we're living now in an instant culture. So we need to be the ones who embrace ambiguity and go, you know what? I don't know, but I'm okay with that. And we're going to be pushed and we're going to be pressured to have vision. What's your vision? What's your vision? Now, if you aren't sinking God, okay, we can get a little upset with you. Go be with God and find out. But if he says, wait, if he gave you this much nugget, you're going to wait and you piece it together over time. But are you trustworthy to not just add to it to please man? No, I will wait for you, God, and you alone. Your whole region, there's an expectancy that God is going to do powerful things in our midst. I want to see you break through for our church, for your church, the big C church, everybody, everybody. It is about us. It's about we. We are doing this together. We're not alone. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, but we demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The, the world and the United States of America is about me, me, me. I will move forward. I will advance. It's my church. It's my ministry. It's my teaching. It's my, my, my. And so I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm going to advance even if I claw and dig and whatever I need to over you, I'm going to advance. Not in the kingdom. We love. We prefer others over ourselves. And God is the one who exalts. God is the one who lifts up. God is the one who goes before you and makes a way and say, oh, you need money? I'll just send so-and-so over and she'll write you a check for. That's what I'm waiting for. You guys have already experienced that. That's amazing. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. In every areas of our lives, it's not I, but we. And we are going to advance the kingdom together. Ways to move forward through offensive war warfare is to recall who your God is. Focus on the truth and the fullness of our relationship with him. And receive the Father's love, whether you are asking or listening. It is all about intimacy. We're staying close. We're hearing his heart. We're waiting for him. And again, put worship music on in the background as you pray. Joshua 9, the Gibeonite reception, reception, deception. In that story, the Gibeonites lived very close to Israel. But Israel kept wiping everybody out. And Joshua, they're taking over the land. And the Gibeonites said, oh my gosh, we're going to be very shortly, it's going to be us and they're going to wipe us out. Let's deceive them. Let's make a ruse. Let's trick them into making a treaty with us. So they got the best, you know, old clothes that they could find and ripped them up. They got moldy bread, donkeys that were, you know, should have been dead. And they went and pretended they had come from a long way. And so Joshua was there with the leaders and they're like, oh, you know, when we started out, our bread was warm and our donkeys were young and our wineskins were good. And look, we've come so far. We've heard of who your God is and what he does. Will you make a treaty with us? Will you make a treaty with us so that you won't wipe us out? So Joshua examines, it says Joshua examined it and 
but didn't inquire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So they made the treaty and they went on their way and Gibeon is like, they're going, yes, we got him. They made a treaty with us. Well, a couple days later, some younger guys from Israel came and said, Joshua, the Gibeonites live like right over the crest of that hill on the other side of the river right there. Like, oh my word, they tricked us. And they're like, let's go kill them. We're going to get them. And Joshua's like, we can't do that. We made a treaty, but we, we're going to pay them a visit. So he shows up there. Why did you trick us? Well, because we knew you'd kill us. But why did you do that? We knew you would kill us. And he goes, okay, we made a treaty. We said we wouldn't wipe you out, but you're going to pay for it. From this day forward, we're going to take you captive, and you will be our woodcutters and our water carriers. So you're going to live among us, but you're going to serve us the rest of our days as woodcutters and water carriers. All I can think of is the, way, the reason that God allowed that to happen. Obviously, a treaty means something in the kingdom, yes. But I think that that was a great example before Joshua. Joshua, who often inquires of the Lord. You can, it, it might seem to be the right thing, but you've got to inquire of the Lord. You've got to go listen. You've got to go wait. You've got to go find out. Don't let that, don't be deceived by just it appearing to be the right thing. And then in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, it says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Here they are. There's five kings and all their people coming to wipe them out. And Jehoshaphat instead resolves to inquire of the Lord by calling everyone to a fast. No, we're going to stay here. We're going to fast. We're going to wait on the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm like, oh, no, where's my sword? I'm like, maybe I'll sneak off and try to find my sword, gather my stuff, hide my kids, whatever. No, he goes, no, we're going to inquire of the Lord. We're going to wait right here. And you know the story, as they waited, someone came word and said, God says he's going to deliver us. And so he's like, okay, great. You know, let's put the singers out front. Let's worship. Let's go. And boom, they went forward into battle. And as they crested the hill, God had set an ambush. They turned on one another. And sure enough, they're wiped out before them. And it took three days to gather up the spoils. Because that leader said, I am going to inquire of the Lord. I will wait for the word until it comes, and we're not moving anywhere until we get it. Folks, it takes courage to do that. It takes faith to do that. But when you do, God will take care of you. And see, every single time is different. Every single time is different. That's why it's like, okay, we did that last time, so this is what we do. No, every single time we have to inquire of the Lord. Because one time he's going to say, you know, walk around the city one time. Be quiet. That's it. Walk around. Do that for six days. Then walk around seven. Shout. Whatever he's going to say to do, it's going to be so, really, God? That's what you want us to do? But he wants to remind you that he's in charge. He's in control. But if he gives it for you to do and you do it, with all your might. He is the one who brings the breakthrough. He is the one who does it on your behalf. He goes before you and he makes a way. And so we need courage. Let courage arise within us. So we have a declaration of intent, spiritual gifts, desires, expectancy, and it's we, not I. Breakthrough is revealed in the presence of the Lord. It is revealed in the presence of the Lord. Go away. Shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in heaven and he'll reward you openly. That's where the breakthrough comes. And then you come out and you gather up the spoils. So whenever we gather, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to quiet ourselves. Father, what are you doing? Anything you want to say us? Yeah, I have an agenda for this meeting. We've got to hear from everyone to give their reports. What's on your heart right now? Is there something we, we didn't catch this morning when we had chapel? Was there something you want to say? And we listen and we wait. Everything around you can, can seem to be off. But when I go into the presence of the Lord and I hear him and he says, Honey, just stand firm. Okay. I come out. I try to put my blinders on, my Holy Ghost blinders, so that I don't look at the political stuff around me. I don't look at the naysayers around me. I don't look at the other things around me. My eyes are fixed on Jesus, 
and he says, come on, hun, this way. Or he says, stand firm. A few uh, weeks ago, actually, at, I, it was longer than a few weeks ago, it was New Year's Eve. Ron and I and our daughter, Karis, went up to our cabin. And I was writing my dissertation as they were, anyway. Yes, we were up at our cabin. And so we were up there, and Karis and I had, happened to have a conversation about, do you ever feel trapped at Nyack? And she was talking about the town of Nyack, which again is open to everything spiritual there is. It's open, there's lots of Wiccans, there's lots of witches and warlocks, there's lots of New Age, lots of witchcraft going on around there. And that's why a lot of times I'm doing my walk. Now, this is our territory. Holy Spirit, would you hover over us? This is ours. Get away from me or anything else. But more and more, I have learned to not go after the darkness, but to welcome more of his presence. More of his presence, more of his presence. I use an illustration actually in my Intro to Spiritual Formation class. I have a pitcher of water and I put all this gunk in it, you know, ketchup and mustard and different sins that we do and, and food coloring and soy sauce and all this so it's gunk. And I said, you know what, in a minute I'm going to drink this. And they're like, oh, gross. I said, we talk about striving and striving to do what God wants us to do. And I said, you know what, we need to come against the enemy. We need to try so much harder. I said, no, I, I've learned then instead, I just welcome more of the Spirit. And I take a gallon of water and I start pouring it over the pitcher. And I said, you know what? More, Jesus. I need more of you. I want more of you. And through displacement, you know that over time, sometimes I've had to take two because I had so much gunk in the bottom. And so I just take the second gallon, I keep pouring, and sure enough, all of that old will go out and I have a pitcher of water and I drink it. That's what we're doing in offensive warfare. Jesus, I need more of you. 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 And that my fears will be gone. My insecurities will be gone. My intimidation will be gone. My lack of confidence will be gone. I need more of you. And so I just come to be filled up with you so that I will move into the things you have me to move into. Breakthrough is revealed in the presence of the Lord. We are stewards of his presence. And so we need to be willing to live in the presence. Again, talking with Stephen Trina, it's like one prayer I have is that, we, that every student would know the presence of the Lord, would have one encounter. I mean, I hope they have tons of encounters, but at least one powerful encounter in the presence of the Lord that they will know it's him. They will say yes to him and the trajectory of their life will be changed forever. Amen. That is our role as leaders to bring them into the presence of the Lord, to, sh to talk with him what he's like, what he does, who he is, how he acts. But we need to be the forerunners of that. As leaders, you have to go first. You can't expect them to do what you aren't willing to do yourself. You've got to go before them and lead the way. You've got to go before them and lead the way. Breakthrough is sealed by the strategy of God. And so we're coming to get his strategy. Father, what's your strategy? Back to the story about being trapped. So we go back to campus. She said, yes, I felt that. I, there's something, Mom, about Nyack that it's, it's a very affluent area. People are so wealthy. Their kids go to Ivy League, top-of-the-line schools, but they come back and they're stuck in Nyack. She goes, I don't want to get stuck. I'm afraid if I come back there, I'll get stuck. And so... We came home after the cabin. We hadn't been home for 10 minutes. Karis had gone up to her room. Ron was in the other room. I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, oh, there's this feeling again of being trapped. I go up to Karis's room. I go, Karis, what are you feeling right now in the spirit? She goes, oh, I have that trapped thing again, mom. I go, me too. So we prayed that that would go. The next day I go into the office and I say to my assistant, Heather, do you ever feel trapped being at Nyack? Not at the college, but at, in the village or whatever. And she goes, oh, yes, I have that so much. I'm constantly asking, are, are we, should we really be here? I call in our worship coordinator. I go, Siobhan, do you ever feel trapped being at Nyack? Not at the college, but in the village. She goes, oh yeah, Craig and I fight that all the time. I'm like, oh my word, we gotta pray about this. We gotta listen about this. So we go to a time of just listening. Father, what are you saying about this, about this trapped thing? And we were all, we were all seeking the Lord about, are we done here? Do you want us to leave? Whatever. The Lord shows us pictures. He showed us these powerful things. And then we said, you know what? Here, here's what it seems like he's saying. The enemy wants us to feel trapped because when you feel trapped, what do you try to do? I'm out of here. 
I'm trying to run away, I'm breaking out, I'm gonna do whatever. And so almost simultaneously, we, were, we just kind of sat up in our chairs and we're like, oh no, oh no. If that's the tactic against us, and we all stood up and we said, no, we declare that we will be a people who will do what you've called us to do. We will stand our ground. We will take our place. We will call students in the body of Christ to stand with us and we will advance your kingdom. For you, God, are the one that we, that we worship. You are the one we belong to. You are the one who is the, the captain of the host, who calls us into battle, who has gone before and made a way and we already win. I love winning, don't you? I don't wanna do it if we're not gonna win. We've already won, so now we've got to do these battles one at a time, what you've placed before us to move forward in your kingdom. Some strategies are so subtle, you have to be good listeners to catch what they are. Breakthrough is activated, though, by our obedience, by our obedience. So he reveals it, he seals it with his strategy, and so each time, again, his strategy is going to be different. There's times when he's going to go, girls, just resolve that this is what you're going to do and take your place. There will be other times when he says, there, this, is what is, this is what is happening, go confront this system, this situation, whatever it is. Go ask for more money, go out, do whatever. So every single time it will be different and then it's activated by our obedience. You must be men and women who are yes people. Now in the, in the world, it's like, yeah, you're just trying to advance, so you just, you're just yes people. And it's thought, thought as a negative thing. Oh my word, in the kingdom, you are awesome. In the kingdom, we are yes people. This is what the Father gave me to do. I'm saying yes, I'm saying yes, I'm saying yes. And your authority is expanded because you say yes, because it's about him and what he's doing. And so we need to be yes men, men and women for the kingdom of God. As you move forward, it's all about moving forward. Know who your God is. Use the gifts declare. There's power in declaration. There's power in declaration. You need that personally, and then you might want to even put one together for your team. I don't know, but it's very, very powerful. And you need to teach, especially young people, how to stand firm and to move forward in what God has given them to do.